What is up, fantasy people? Welcome back to the True North Fantasy Pod. I am Trav, hosting and West Coasting from Dirty Laundry Studios 2.0. We are, of course, proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group, where at fantasypoints.com you can use our promo code TRUENORTH22 to get 10% off the elite resources offered over at the Fantasy Points website. Elite analysts, elite content. I think of Wes Huber's advanced matchups article that he's doing every week, and that alone is worth the price of admission. That's the only article you need to get ready for your fantasy week every week. And then they got tons more resources and tools and data and articles and all sorts of stuff going on over there. So please make sure you go check it out, fantasypoints.com. That promo code is TRUENORTH22, all capitals, TRUENORTH22 for 10% off to score more this season in 2022. I'm back, guys. All right. We uh, we have week one is actually officially in the books. I'm recording this just after the Monday night game ended and what a Monday night game it was. The Geno coaster hit a peak today. I think there's probably going to be some more valleys on the horizon for that, but it was a good start in uh, what was a puzzling, puzzling game from a coaching perspective on the Broncos side. Joante Williams had some really nice usage. Russell Wilson was looking all right up and down using all those receivers, which was really nice to see. And yeah, Gino, uh, Gino looked way better than expected, way better than advertised. Um, that offense, you know, DK Metcalf had a pretty low efficiency, heavy target game, but that target volume is very encouraging. We saw a couple tight end touchdowns with Will Disley and Colby Parkinson. So, Lots, lots happened this week, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can prepare for week two. This week, we're going to talk a little bit of waivers. I'm doing a little bit of a new format where I'm going to try and put out two shows for you every single week. The first one will be a little bit of news early in the week, as well as waivers as we come into Tuesday. Look for that. Drop it on Tuesday on the TNFF Network, and this is the first episode of that. So yeah, like I said, we're going to talk some big news. We're going to talk about some waivers. But first, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to our friends over at Trophy Smack. Trophy Smack is sweeping the nation as far as leveling up your league. Their hardware is second to none. Any of our video watchers can see behind me. I've got one of those championship belts from uh, my 2020 Kings Classic W. And uh, you can find those at Trophy Smack. They've also got all sorts of different trophies. You can customize everything to the nines. It's incredible. And our promo code TNFF with Trophy Smack will get you a free championship ring with the purchase of a belt or a championship trophy. So go over there, get some hardware. Little story for uh, for my fantasy league where I, I brought this belt. I'm not actually the champ this year, but I wanted to kind of flaunt the belt a little bit in front of my league mates. So as I rolled up in the minivan, I might add, all the boys are sitting in the driveway getting ready for our draft. I go about five kilometers per hour, put on a little Mike Jones, back Dan Ho didn't want me, now I'm hot hoes all on me. And uh, I was holding the belt out the window, just uh, flashing it in their faces. And you can do that too with Trophy Smack. So please go check it out. TNFF is the promo code um, and you'll get that free championship ring. So you can have something on your finger and something on your shoulder if you got the belt or you can hold that trophy up high and uh, make your league mates really feel shame. So check it out. Trophy Smack's doing big things over there. We love those guys. So yeah, getting into the injuries here, we're going to start kind of at the top at the most important position in fantasy, well, in real football, let's say, and that would be the quarterback position, Dak Prescott. He is going to miss up to eight weeks with a fractured thumb. He had surgery today, which is Monday, and it looks like he's going to be out for a while, and it's not looking good for the Dallas offense. This is a huge blow for all their pass catchers. I am not excited about any of the upside 
The impact on C.D. Lamb fucking hurts, guys. It really hurts. He was one of my top five wide receivers coming into the season, and I don't think he's going to reach that ceiling anymore with Dak out for that period of time. Uh, we saw 11 targets for C.D., which was encouraging, but I uh, I really don't know what we're going to see with Cooper Rush at the helm. Um, I think as far as the quarterback position, and if you had Dak on your roster, you probably only drafted one quarterback because Dak was a pretty high-end option. So you're really going to have to start pivoting this week. And we've got some good options. We're going to talk about that in the waiver piece. But I think the biggest piece for me is that this is a fat with a PH downgrade for those Dallas passing, passing weapons. I think for Tony Pollard and Zeke, I would make it a little bit of a lateral move, maybe a little bit heavier rushing volume for them. But I'm not even sure what those um, running back targets are going to look like either. It is a skill to throw the ball nice to running backs in the flats and give them a nice ball that they can catch and run with. And uh, Dak had that down probably a lot more than Cooper Rush does. So remains to be seen how that looks. But both were involved in the passing game, Tony Pollard and Zeke. Um, Zeke obviously outtouched Tony Pollard as a ball carrier and was a much better pass blocker. So we'll see how that goes. Pass blocking is going to be important with Dak not behind center as well. So bit of a lateral move for the running backs, but uh, keep an eye on if they use Tony Pollard in a little bit more kind of dump off situations to make it easy on Cooper Rush because that definitely could be a possibility. A couple wide receivers on the Darnell docket here. T Higgins, he left the game for Cincinnati with a concussion. Um, it remains to be seen if he's going to miss any more time. Usually with concussions, it's almost become a standard where the guy will miss the next game. But remember, T. Higgins missed most of that Cincinnati game. So I really think there's a chance that he does come back for week two. But keep an eye on it. If he does miss time, I think Tyler Boyd is the biggest beneficiary of that. He looks into wide receiver two status for me if T. Higgins is out. Another name to keep an eye on is uh, the other Michael Thomas in Cincinnati. Uh, funny story about that same league I was just talking about. One year, one of the buddies thought he was drafting Saints Michael Thomas, and he put up the sticker for uh, Mike, th this Michael Thomas, who I believe used to be on the Rams, uh, and we have chirped him ever since for that because he drafted the wrong Michael Thomas, and I believe this is the other Michael Thomas, unless this is the other other Michael Thomas that I didn't even know about. But uh, anyway, this team uses three wide receiver sets pretty heavily. So Michael Thomas will be on the field, but I wouldn't be going out there and using my waiver priority. I wouldn't be blowing a bunch of fab on him because with T. Higgins having a concussion and looking to be back soon, I think Thomas would be a very short-term play if that. And I'm guessing that you probably have better wide receiver options on your bench right now. So use those instead of going in on the other Michael Thomas. Next wide receiver was Chris Godwin. He obviously is coming back from that ACL surgery that he suffered late last season. And uh, he injured his hamstring in this game against the Dallas Cowboys and looked good originally with Tom Brady getting him the rock. He was doing some work after the catch, but of course he injured that hamstring. I think long run, it's going to be good for, for Chris Godwin to have a little extra time off because he gets further out from that ACL recovery. And obviously he can rehab whatever this hamstring thing is that he's got. But the beneficiaries for me are obviously Julio Jones and Russell Gage. Both were under 55% snaps this past week, but I think that's going to shoot way up with Julio being kind of the number one beneficiary and Russell Gage being the second beneficiary. But I think if these guys are on the field in a Tom Brady-led passing offense, we want those guys. It's doubtful that Julio is on your waiver wire, but if Russell Gage is sitting out there for some reason, which he wasn't being, like he was being drafted probably within the first 11, 12 rounds, for the most part, um, I think... He's probably on somebody's roster, but if you can find him out there on waivers, you better attack that. That's like, I'm talking, we're probably looking at 20% fab just because he's going to get some work. 
Chris Godwin's going to be out for a couple weeks, and then you don't know what it looks like after that. Julio has a long injury history as well. So Russell Gage is probably going to get some meaningful work at some point this season, and he should be on a roster. So if you see him out there, snatch him up for sure. Last wide receiver, Keenan Allen. He left the game against the Raiders and did not come back. He had a nice little start to four catches, four targets for 66 yards in the first half. Well, first, whatever he played. Um, but yeah, he left and he didn't come back. And I think he's likely to miss week two just because the Chargers played the Chiefs on Thursday night. So that's a super quick turnaround. Don't think Keenan's going to make that. So you got to make other plans if you had him as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two on your team. And we're going to talk about the Chargers contingency plan a little bit when we get to the waiver ads. Um, But for now, just make other plans if you had Keenan Allen. The last one, and I think the second most impactful injury that happened this past week was Elijah Mitchell for the San Francisco 49ers. We know that the Niners were supposed to be one of the most, uh, most potent games on the ground. Uh, but Elijah Mitchell not being there is a big hit to that. And we were really excited for him for that purpose. But obviously he's going to be out for up to two months, it said, with a knee injury. They played in that slip and slide game against the Chicago Bears. I think there was only something like 22 passes attempted or something like that. And it was just a gross one. And so you can kind of throw those fantasy results out for the uh, the San Francisco offense, especially. Uh That being said, Elijah Mitchell had a good little start, six carries for 41 yards. So I think when he does come back, he is probably going to be the starting running back. But for now, we got to look elsewhere and uh, find those other guys that are going to replace him because he was the running back too on a lot of people's teams. And that's an important spot on your fantasy roster. But we will get into the running backs in just a second. Before I dive into some of these waiver ads, I'm going to start with the quarterbacks, but I do want to give a shout out to our final sponsor, and that would be Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you missed one of the most fun summers that I've ever had playing best ball. Their platform is so easy to use. Their drafts are plentiful, all sorts of dollar values. They got $5 ones. I think they had $2,500 high stakes best ball leagues, which is a little fat for my wallet, but nonetheless, if somebody wants to go drop a cool $2,500, you can win big best ball mania three has 10 million dollars in prize pools and that was only a 25 dollar entry for that league so lots of fun to be had over there during the summer and then in season they got some really cool stuff going on obviously they have the best props in the business you can go in there you can do a bunch of player prop parlays and stack some cheddar multiply by up to six and ten times what your what your entry was so lots of fun to be had there but they're also doing little three-person best ball drafts for the different slates so there was one for last thursday where it's 20 minutes before kickoff i enter into four or five of these things at five dollar entries takes three minutes to draft a little best ball team and it's 5k in prizes for those mini ones they've got them for the morning and the afternoon slates on sundays as well so there's just tons of fun to be had lots of money to be made and uh lots of you know fantasy goodness we like that Shout out to my friends at Goat District, JD, and that fantasy goodness. Underdog is bringing that fantasy goodness. So check them out with our promo code TNFF, and you can get an instant match on your first deposit of up to $100. Drop a hundy, they'll give you another hundy. That's two hundy, and you can multiply that by hundies of hundies. So it's a lot of fun to play over there on Underdog, and that promo code is TNFF. So get in there. Don't wait. You'll have more fun than you've ever had playing fantasy football. All right, so waivers this week. Week one is an interesting time. You don't want to overreact to waivers. You drafted your team. You took your guys in the places that you took them for a reason. Um, It's never bad to be looking and be ready to pivot off of some of those bottom of the roster guys. But if you drafted guys to be, you know, startable flex plays and whatnot, don't cut bait just yet unless it was absolutely catastrophic or there was maybe a season-ending injury, which there's not many of those this week. So, 
Don't get too crazy on the waiver wire just yet. The quarterback position is a little bit different because you might, maybe you punted the position in the draft and you knew you were going to have to stream anyway. So you're just going to be hitting the wire hard on the weekly to get your starting quarterback. And that's totally fine. The first one I want to draw your attention to is Carson Wentz. He had a big day against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before Monday Night Football, he was the quarterback three. I haven't seen what the totals were. I think Geno had a pretty good game, but I'm not sure if he eclipsed Carson Wentz. But anyway, quarterback three before Monday Night Football is nothing to shake a stick at for Carson Wentz, who is repeatedly dogged by the fantasy analysts. Um, But what we look at for him like in his game with the commanders, the artists formerly known as the football team, was 41 pass attempts. That was fourth most in the league uh, on the week. And the other teams were teams that were behind the whole game. They were not behind the whole game. They actually threw the ball while they had the lead, the commanders, 56% of the time. And on the day, they threw it 60% of the time in total. And even on first down, it was about 50-50 throwing and running, which is a good sign for me because my worry with Wentz coming in was that they were going to try and mitigate his mistakes. They were going to run the ball a lot. Obviously, those plans could have changed with what happened to Brian Robinson, but nonetheless, it looks like the commanders are going to be throwing the ball for the foreseeable future. And we're going to talk about some of these weapons that he has to throw to, but I think he is viable as almost a streamer plus. We know that he's going to be the starting quarterback for this team. He's entrenched in that role unless he, you know, I guess maybe pulls a signature Carson Wentz, which isn't out of the out of the question, but I don't think he's getting pulled unless it's absolutely, um, you know, appalling quarterback play. And that's not what we saw in week one. So you got to kind of ride the lightning on that. Uh, pick him up in your leagues. You can start him this next week against Detroit. Uh, they just got carved up by A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. So I think Carson Wentz can do some damage against them and put up a decent uh, decent replacement level game for your fantasy roster. So the next guys I'm going to mention are guys that we shouldn't necessarily overreact on. Matt Ryan plays against Jacksonville. We like that matchup after seeing what Carson Wentz just did. Efficient little day for Matt Ryan and some of those pass catching weapons. So we could see that expand a little bit. And we know Jonathan Taylor is just fantastic insulation for any quarterback. So I think Matt Ryan can be putting up tidy little stat lines for you and decent numbers as a quarterback. You know, he's probably like a mid mid to back end quarterback too, but It's not to say that that's not streamable in the right matchup, and Jacksonville looks to be a decent matchup. Next guy's Baker Mayfield. He uh, he put up a respectable showing against the Cleveland Browns. They fell short in that win on the last second field goal, but it's kind of an ugly game all told. Um, I think he put up about 19 points for fantasy, which is also decent for him. And he plays the New York Giants, which their defense is a little bit frisky. But that being said, I think Baker's got some pretty good weapons and we didn't really see DJ Moore necessarily unlocked. We saw Robbie Anderson involved, which is actually nice to see because when he is a part of this offense, I think that passing game becomes a lot more dynamic. Um, And if you followed this show, you know what I think about Terrace Marshall. Get that man the rock. Just get him the rock, folks. Mitchell Trubisky at New England isn't a terrible call. He had a tidy little stat line against the Cincinnati Bengals as well, but uh, you know it's Mitch Trubisky, so you gotta you gotta beware when you're buying, of course. But I think if he can give you you know five to seven carries, he had three in this past game, I believe. But if he can give you five to seven carries, I think he can kind of boost his floor a little bit. We know that floor is low. But I also think that the passing weapons and just the offense instilled around him in Pittsburgh probably boosts that floor a little bit too. So you got a couple things counterbalancing, which makes Mitch Trubisky a decent little streamer with those weapons that are around him against New England. Tua had a decent day against him. Obviously, those weapons are a little bit different, but still solid, solid players in Pittsburgh. 
last couple guys. It's actually hilarious to mention these two guys in the same breath because of what their draft was like. But Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, they are starting quarterbacks for NFL teams in 2022. Both of them are decent spot starters too this week, or not this week, sorry, but spot starters down the road. So if you add them, you might have to take your lumps this week. If you are in a must-start situation, you could leave them on the waiver wire and then pick them up next week too. Uh, But yeah, Winston and Mariota, Jameis has the Bucks this week and Mariota has the Rams. So unless you're in like dire, dire need for post week two, weeks three and on, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily be going in on these guys just yet until they're an absolute need, but I think Jameis presents a big upside. We saw him put up fat numbers for the Tampa Bay Bucks a while ago. This offense is not the same in New Orleans. It's a little more conservative, which is probably good for Jameis Winston, um, but we know that he can put the ball up, and he's got some receivers to do so. Jarvis Landry had a decent week. Michael Thomas had a solid week. Chris Olave is there, uh, and Alvin Kamara is just incredible in the passing game. We know that, and apparently he was dealing with a bit of a rib injury himself so maybe he wasn't at full speed Uh, so I think the pieces around Jameis are very intriguing for me Mariota is for a different reason I'm not stoked about the pieces around him in the offense but he does play in a very conservative offense with Arthur Smith which kind of mitigates the mistakes that he can make and then obviously Marcus Mariota can do some damage with his legs which is what we want in fantasy football so that's why you're attacking Marcus Mariota for the possibility that he runs the ball a little bit more and has efficient little passing games with the weapons that they do have in Atlanta. Okay, lots of wide receivers to talk about. A lot of wide receivers. It's uh, it's going to be a fun little waiver day to see who places big bids on people, um, or if they put bids in the right place. Where I want to start is where I started at the quarterback position, and that's with the artists formerly known as the football team, the Washington Commanders. Both Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel had solid days against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and both would be decent ads based on talent and pedigree alone. We know what Curtis Samuel can do. He's a very electric player. Coming off of being oft injured, of course, but it looks like he's healthy. He got 11 targets and a touchdown against Jacksonville. And then Jahan Dotson, the first round wide receiver, comes in two touchdowns, lower volume than did Curtis Samuel. But Jahan Dotson had 88% of the snaps, where Curtis Samuel played on 71% of the snaps. So for me, I would prioritize Jahan Dotson, even though we saw Samuel's 11 targets, uh, because I think Jahan Dotson in the long run is going to be on the field a little bit more, and you're going to get more consistent production out of him as the season wears on. Whereas Curtis Samuel, I feel like he's probably going to have sporadic games like this where he puts up big numbers, um, but then disappears for a little bit. Uh, It really depends on the usage for these guys, but right now I'm leaning towards Dotson, and I would definitely go in on him as somebody with you know first round pedigree obviously he's got a bunch of talent and this team is kind of devoid of players behind Terry McLaurin Logan Logan Thomas is a good tight end coming back from injury Curtis Samuel is there obviously but I think Jahan Dotson they would like for him to be kind of their future at wide receiver so I would look for them to get him as involved as possible but I would take a shot at both of these guys, like or not both, but either of these guys if they're on the wire, uh, because you never know. Like the upside's big with Curtis Samuel just in his profile, uh, and Deshaun Jahan Dotson has a little bit of that in his as well. So check those guys out. Zay Jones is the next guy here, and I think he's a guy that well I've been touting him since before 
the season even started. I was always saying that I don't think the talent gap between him and Christian Kirk is that big. Zay got his own pretty big deal from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So for me, he was always going to be the wide receiver too here. I know Marvin Jones is still there. They got rid of LaVisca Chenault. So it's a little bit cleared up. And Zay Jones, I think, might be the biggest beneficiary of that. He had nine targets this past week, turned that into six receptions for 60 yards, I believe. And I think this team's going to pass the ball a lot. The defense is like, it's got some players on it, but it's not where it needs to be. They haven't come together yet. And I think this team is going to be playing from behind a lot. Therefore, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to pass the ball a lot. And I think Zay Jones is going to be there. We saw some flashes in the preseason. We've seen flashes in Zay Jones' career as is. Like He always comes up with these filthy catches here and there. Just needs to get a little bit more opportunity. I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater, top 24 wide receiver or anything like that. But I think he could put up some consistent target volume from week to week where he could have some of those big games and fill in in that flex because Jacksonville's going to be a little bit sneaky because they're going to be fruitful for fantasy even if they're losing games because they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Um, don't get me wrong. Christian Kirk was the definitive wide receiver one for this team in week one and that's totally fine they paid him to be that but when you're throwing the ball that much more than one guy is going to get the rock and zay jones for me is number two on that target totem pole kyle phillips um in tennessee shout out to d brown and the sons of dynasty they were touting this guy before i even heard of who he was and he had a nice little line six catches on nine targets for 66 yards in that tennessee passing game not a passing game we're stoked about attacking, really. But with Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, none of these guys have full chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. And there's no saying that Kyle Phillips can't come in and be that guy that gets, you know, maybe low upside volume where he has to have 9, 10 targets to put up 65 yards. But if you add a touchdown in there, that's really nice in your PPR league. So uh, it doesn't hurt to take a stab at Kyle Phillips, but I would really have to, you know, I would have to have that free free roster spot i'm not going to be dropping wide receivers like say uh, uh mbs or someone in that range who looks like they're going to be on a more high powered offense or even like we're looking at um aj green i would i would keep aj green over kyle phillips just because he's in that arizona offense um or maybe even like a van jefferson i would probably still hold out hold out hope that van jefferson can be that third guy in the rams offense before i would be attacking attacking some of these next guys but I mean, in, in your PPR leagues, if you need a guy to give you, you know, seven to 12 points, then Kyle Phillips can be that in your flex spot if you need that start. I mean, hopefully at this point, you're not needing these guys to come in and save your flex spot because it's only one week into the season. And this is where we don't overreact, right? Like if you're flex that you think it's going to be your weekly flex starter threw up a little bit of a dud, but you drafted him in the range that he should be a flex starter keep that guy do not drop that guy just yet you put the draft capital into him you used whatever your process was to attack him in the draft keep him but kyle phillips could be a decent little ppr ad okay here's where we get to a little bit of upside but upside that i'm not really going to be diving in on on the waiver wire until later in the season and that's with donovan peoples jones and i say not until later in the season because I really think if somebody's picking him up off the waivers right now, they're going to see that 11 targets that he just had in week one. Obviously, that's notable for him. Turn that into six receptions, uh, 60 yards for him as well. We know, obviously, Amari Cooper is there. He only had six targets in week one, and I think those guys are going to bounce a little bit, but I think Amari probably wins out as the highest target getter on that team. Um, 
But Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think he's going to be a little bit spotty after this week. So I think teams who pick him up now are probably going to end up dropping him again. And when we really want him is when we're getting into the Deshaun Watson period where Deshaun Watson comes back in week 13. Donovan Peoples-Jones hopefully is still healthy on this team. And then the target quality going from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson is a huge difference. So I would let league mates spend that fab on dpj right now because there's a chance that he does get dropped at some point and then you can scoop him up as you get later into the season as attrition hits some of the guys on your team maybe you get some injuries and whatnot then definitely swoop in and scoop him up a little sooner than that but week 13 is when i'm really targeting dpj as a guy who could be damn near a league winner that takes you down the stretch run and puts up big points for your team which he almost was last season i uh, i had him on some teams and he was pretty helpful for me down the stretch when i was lacking in that wide receiver three spot so i love me some dpj and i think he offers big upside because he's a super talented guy and he's got an elite quarterback that's going to be coming into the fold as the starter for this team late in the season a couple other guys here we got devin duvernay a very efficient day for duvernay and i loved him coming out of college four targets four catches two touchdowns um but i'm pumping the brakes on this a little bit we see those two touchdowns we get really fired up uh, it was a nice tidy little day for him, but he did only have those four targets. He ran the same amount of routes as Demarcus Robinson and backup tight end Isaiah Likely. Uh, and, you know, they had a bunch of guys with four targets and it just wasn't that great behind Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. So I'm having a hard time diving in on Devin Duvernay just because those two touchdowns are really going to pop for a lot of people. And I'm not, you know, paying up for those two touchdowns because that's not really going to happen again. I think the problem with, Devin Duvernay is that he's probably going to be maxing out at like 50% of the team snaps, which is kind of a natural thing with this Baltimore run heavy offense with Lamar Jackson behind the behind center. So I really think that you should not dive in on Devin Duvernay just because I think you're going to be really disappointed most weeks. He could have some pop weeks. I really like the talent. I think he's a great receiver. I just think the landing spot was terrible for him. And I don't think it's going to be good down the stretch because Rashad Bateman showed that he is a stud wide receiver. So there's no chance of taking that top spot. And you're not going after the second wide receiver in this Baltimore offense. Unless it were to clear up, like if there wasn't uh, uh, Demarcus Robinson running the same amount of routes, if they didn't have so many tight ends on the field who were running routes as well, maybe I'd be more into Duvernay or whoever that second wide receiver is. But for now, I'm not going in. Uh, here's another tidy little two touchdown day. DeAndre Carter of the Los Angeles Chargers. He, for me, was definitely a product of Keenan Allen going down. Uh, you look at Carter's snap share, and he only played on 37% of the team's snaps. He uh, was targeted targeted heavily when he was in there, obviously, with, well, four targets, but he had two touchdowns, which is lucrative targets, and we like those. Um, but then you look at the guy who we thought was going to be the the next in line and Joshua Palmer. He played 75 snaps, got 75% of the snaps, and got the same amount of targets as did DeAndre Carter. He just didn't get the touchdowns. So if I'm going in on this Chargers offense, I'm not going after DeAndre Carter. I actually would go for Joshua Palmer because we know that, especially this week, like if you look against the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to put some points up. Chargers are going to have to keep up with them. Joshua Palmer with Keenan Allen potentially out is going to be the second wide receiver on that team and Mike Williams was basically a ghost in week one so those targets are up for gra grabs number one spot is up for grabs with Keenan Allen out and I don't think it's going to be DeAndre Carter I think Joshua Palmer and Mike Williams are going to handle it with the tight ends as well who we're going to talk about in a little bit 
Okay, going to Green Bay, that was an ugly one for the Packers. And we saw Aaron Rodgers with his cool new haircut getting pretty cheesed on the sideline in week one. He was not a happy boy with his wide receivers. The two that I'm going to talk about are Romeo Smoking Dubes and Christian Watson. Yes, I call them Dubes. I know it's Dubs or Dobbs or something like that, but Smoking Dubes sounds way cooler. So that's what I'm going to call them. Smoking Dubes smoked for five targets, three catches, and 40 yards this week. And Christian Watson went for four targets, two catches, and 34 yards. If I'm looking at these two both on the waiver wire, I'm actually going to prioritize Christian Watson. I know Smoking Dubes got a ton of buzz through camp, but late in the offseason when Aaron Rodgers was on, I believe, the Pat McAfee show, he was talking up Christian Watson as a gazelle and a rare athlete and a guy that he wanted to get the ball to, and I really liked that. And then if you look in the game, uh, Christian Watson actually outsnapped Romeo Smoking Dubes 66% to 57%. So not a wide margin, obviously, but a margin nonetheless. And if you watch the game, Christian Watson in the first quarter, Aaron Rodgers threw him a beautiful ball to the outside. Watson had his defender beat by, you know, seven yards or something and dropped what would have been an easy touchdown, like a big touchdown. So we would be singing a largely different tune if that didn't happen. Uh, hopefully that doesn't doghouse Watson too much because you know that wide receivers can get doghouse when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, especially young ones. But I think Watson will win out in the long run as that second round wide receiver with rare athleticism. Not to say Smoking Dubes is not going to be one of those reliable targets for Aaron Rodgers because that's what he seemed like throughout the preseason at least. But I'd be prioritizing the upside of Christian Watson. And I've always felt that way. As soon as he landed in Green Bay, he was in the running for my wide receiver one amongst the rookies. Um, but yeah, I think he still could end up being that if he gets a little chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. That's all he needs is just to catch a couple of nice balls from Aaron Rodgers. Maybe go up and snag a 50-50 ball being six foot five or whatever he is. Uh, and then he's going to start to gain more trust as Aaron Rodgers sees him do that. So I like me some Christian Watson as a bench stash and, uh, you know, I don't think you're starting him just yet because you don't know how that target volume is going to shake out. Remember, Alan Lazard missed this past game, and we expect him to be the number one target. I just don't expect him to be the number one target to the level that Devontae Adams was. So I think that does leave behind some work for some of these guys to carve out a bit of a role where Adams might have had that monopolized, especially in the red zone. It was where somebody that like Christian Watson can come into play with his size. And Devontae Adams had a fat share of the targets in the red zone and put up a ton of touchdowns. And we hope that Christian Watson can be the guy to get that. Some guys I'm not necessarily looking into getting here. Noah Brown, he had nine targets for the Dallas Cowboys, five receptions, 68 yards. I talked about the uh, the Dak Prescott injury. If Dak wasn't injured, Noah Brown might be my number one wide receiver ad here just because that Dallas offense does want to throw the ball and Dak Prescott previously has held up multiple producing wide receivers but with Cooper Rush at the helm all of that just goes right in the dirt um, you don't want to be diving into that Dallas offense right now there is so much uncertainty we don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position and I think like you'd be excited about Noah Brown if he was still in that role when Dak comes back healthy but I think by that time Michael Gallup's going to be healthy and he's going to be the wide receiver too and I think by then they'll be trying to work in Jalen Tolbert and they'll have three guys ahead of him on the totem pole just that wide receiver not to mention Dalton Schultz, T Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott having some targets here and there as well so don't be fooled by Noah Brown. Greg Dortch in Arizona. There's a little name from uh, drafts a couple years ago. He got a little bit of buzz as a slot target. 
didn't really work out in New York with the Jets. I think he's bounced around a little bit, but this past week he got nine targets for the Cardinals, seven receptions, and 63 yards. Uh, I don't expect to see this type of volume on the regular. Rondale Moore missed this game. He will come back. DeAndre Hopkins will be back. And if you look at who is there right now, AJ Green, Zach Ertz, and of course Hollywood Brown are ahead of him in ta- target priority. So I'm not so down with Greg Dorch. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, it's just going to be so spotty. Like, you, are you throwing Greg Dorch into your flex this week and you're happy about it? You absolutely are not. So don't dive in there. That's uh, just not something you're going to be happy with. And then let's go to Chicago. I love me some Justin Fields, but I don't love me some pass catchers there. We saw Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis both score touchdowns this past week in that ugly, ugly rain game in Chicago. All my notes here say is don't do it in capital letters. Don't do it. It was a gross weather game, not dipping my toes into the Bears pass catching weapons, especially when they're named Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. Although ESB did hold it down for the acronym boys, as well as his brother Amon Ra St. Brown, ARSB. Uh, unfortunately, MVS didn't score a touchdown or else it would have been the trifecta for the acronym boys, but alas, not this week. Okie dokie, Smokey. We're moving along. We're getting into the running backs here. The injury that I talked about at the top is where we're going to start at the top of the running back waiver ads, and that would be San Francisco. Jeff Wilson Jr. is the guy to add. We've loved ourselves some old Jeffy here at True North. He's just reliable when he gets the work. Um, And I think he's in line for some big touches in the next few weeks. Uh, Obviously, Trey Lance in that shitty rain game didn't really get to show what he was as a passer but i do think as he gets acclimated as a passer they're going to lean on the run game jeff wilson could be in line for 10 to 15 carries at least and if you know if debo and trey lance aren't monopolizing the rest of the carries i think he could put up some 20 carry games but i just think the tough part for old jeffy is that trey lance and debo samuel had 21 carries between them this past week and i think that's going to probably be the norm especially on the lance side him getting you know 10 plus carries in a game And so I think that really takes away from the upside of the running backs in San Francisco, especially the touchdown upside around the goal line. Um, But, you know, this team is one of the best uh, best running games in the league. They've proven it over the past few years. So I think just the upside that Jeff Wilson presents, if he can make some big plays, even not on 20 carries per week, 10 to 15, I think that still makes him my number one ad because I'm still holding true that we are attaching ourselves to this run game. And Jeff Wilson looks like he's got the number one spot. It remains to be seen if they go another direction at the position i saw some people saying maybe they trade for kareem hunt but i think kareem hunt's probably too important for the cleveland browns backfield for them to trade i think another more realistic option could be melvin gordon who we saw look decent um decent in that game against the seattle seahawks both javante and melvin gordon fumbled at the goal line what an awful showing in the red zone for that team this tonight Ugh. um Melvin Gordon could be an option. There's some other running backs out there. Maybe they dive into the free agent scrap heap, whoever's sitting on that as well, because we know that this offense can make any running back look decent. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price and Jordan Mason are probably on your waiver wires. Doesn't hurt to dip your toe in those guys either for the same reasons that we were dipping our toes in Matt Breida, for the same reasons we were dipping our toes in Jeff Wilson, for the same reasons we were dipping our toes in Elijah Mitchell last season, because you want that guy in the event that there's an injury in front of him in San Francisco. They will give a guy run, even if he's an undrafted free agent. They ain't shook. So uh, yeah, if uh, if they're on the cheap, 
Tyrion Davis Price and Jordan Mason are decent little ads as well. But I would probably lean towards Davis Price. He was just a third round draft pick for this team. I think they probably um, they kept him on the bench as a healthy scratch in week one. But I think that's because they knew they weren't going to give him a bunch of work. They didn't really want him to sit on the bench and get one or two carries here and there. Um, Jordan Mason was active and didn't even get an offensive snap. So I think that would change if TDP was in there. Um, Yeah, so I'd prioritize him. Uh, Next guy is, uh, surprise, surprise, Rex Burkhead, formerly known as Sex Lurkhead, had 71% 71 of the team snaps for the Houston Texans. So uh, pour one out for those who traded a first-round pick for Damian Pierce. I saw a trade where Tyreek Hill was the centerpiece of a trade to acquire Damian Pierce, and that was a little bit much for me. Not to say that Pierce can't have a good season from here on out. Maybe they were just giving the veteran nod and trying to get their offense and see what they had with Burkhead being kind of that solid veteran option there. But I really think that he's going to be involved for as long as he's healthy. Uh, They're not just going to put the full workload on Damian Pierce, although he looked really good in the preseason and he could still end up being a decent pick for your fantasy teams, Rex Burkhead is an absolute add on the waivers this week just for the amount of work that he saw. He saw, I think he saw 12 carries, but the big thing for me was that he saw eight targets and any running back who's seeing like five, six plus targets is definitely flex worthy in any league that has PPR, whether half or full point PPR. So uh, dive into Rex Burkhead. I wouldn't in standard leagues where there's no PPR. I wouldn't really love that because I don't know what the score opportunities are going to be for this team uh, just because this offense is not great Uh, so yeah just in any of those PPR leagues you want that from Rex Burkhead because it looks like he's going to be the passing down option for the Houston Texans and they're going to be behind in games and they're going to be passing the ball a lot uh, the last running back that I think you should really pump the brakes on is Dontrell Hilliard, another one of those guys who scored two touchdowns this week, and that jumps off the page for fantasy gamers. But when you dive a little bit deeper and zoom in on what he actually did, the guy only played 18% snaps. He only had two carries. We know that the carry workload is going to be dominated by Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Uh, so Dontrell Hilliard doesn't have a hope in hell in giving you any production on the ground. And then you look at what he did. He had three receptions for 61 yards and two touchdowns on four targets. But on 18% snaps, he's not going to maintain that target rate on a person at basis so don't go in on Dontrell Hilliard he's a pure handcuff if anything and even then I think if Derrick Henry got hurt they're going to have somebody else splitting work with Dontrell Hilliard so you're going to need really really efficient low volume targets from Hilliard because we know he's not getting that rushing work and I am not going to prioritize him on the waiver wire I'm going to look to my bench or even elsewhere with a more high upside guy that I think could get a little more volume than he can so Don't go in on Hilliard. Oh, yeah, I forgot my boy, Kenneth Gainwell. He did have that touchdown. Um, But I, you know, I'm not adding Kenneth Gainwell to start him in the near future necessarily. I'm adding him for the upside he presents if Miles Sanders goes down, which he potentially can do. Not to mention the upside he presents as a pass catcher. Like, if he starts seeing four to five targets consistently where he saw four this past week, I think we're going to like some Kenneth Gainwell because they also trust him around the goal line. The touchdown that he got was on a goal line carry, but he's just not going to get any volume week to week unless we see Miles Sanders go down with an injury. So add him, but don't expect to start him for at least a few weeks. Best case Ontario, he has some standalone in like a 60-40 split with Miles Sanders where Kenneth Gainwell is the 40 side of it. Um 
but obviously like if an injury happens that changes so uh you're really hoping for standalone value from kenny g but i don't think we get that just yet this season because boston scott is pesky back there uh we know they brought trey sermon in from the san francisco 49ers who could probably use a little bit of sermon in their life right now let's be completely honest um but i don't see those guys having really meaningful production for us just yet the tight end position, um, dumpy as always, really dumpy as always. Tyler Higby had 11 targets that last week for the Rams. I don't see that being consistent, but I do see him having a lot of touchdown upside in that offense. So if Tyler Higby is on your waiver wire, he is probably um, the, the tight end I would add kind of the most over these next guys. Uh, next in line, I would put Gerald Everett for the Los Angeles Chargers. That's a high-powered passing attack. He had 66% of the snaps, I believe, and he caught a couple of balls, I think a touchdown as well. Also, Trey McKitty, the backup tight end for the Los Angeles Chargers, was on the field quite a bit. He also had over 60% snaps, and he got some decent targets. And much like Christian Watson, he actually had a pretty egregious drop that would have made his day a lot better for fantasy gamers so as a deep bench stash or maybe like a dynasty throw in on a trade trey mckitty is not a terrible little guy to have because he uh he has a really nice athletic profile he comes from a big program at georgia he's only in his second season was a pretty raw prospect and i think if they can kind of mold him in los angeles with justin herbert as his quarterback and all those weapons around him to take attention away from him i really think that uh, trey mckitty could be something for our dynasty rosters for sure do not go in on OJ Howard. It pains me to say, love the talent, loved him coming out. First round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the guy got buried on the depth chart by Cameron Bray and a old busted up Rob Gronkowski. Couldn't make it happen with Tom Brady in Tampa. Couldn't make it happen with the Buffalo Bills. And they dropped or they cut him, I believe. And he went to the Tennessee or the Houston Texans. Sorry. Um, we didn't expect him necessarily to be like a, a two touchdown getter. So many two touchdown games from these guys that you don't want to attack. Like anybody who scored two touchdowns, if they're on your waiver wire, don't get them this week basically is what I'm trying to say. Um, OJ Howard only played on 17% of the snaps for the uh, Houston Texans and Brevin Jordan was the predominant tight end on the field for them. So Brevin Jordan is still the tight end to own in Houston. If he's on wires, which he potentially could be, I would pick him up as a deep stash, but you really don't want to be rostering two tight ends in your kind of standard one tight end leagues. If you have a guy who's startable, you don't want a tight end eating up a roster spot. So, um, uh, you know, if it's a tight end premium league, I absolutely would add Trey McKitty. Um, but yeah, OJ Howard, just trash. Okay, so looking at the Monday nighter, KJ Hamler is somebody that I probably would go in and add. He was on a significant amount of snaps today. We know he's a great deep ball receiver. We know Russell Wilson is a great deep ball passer. So KJ Hamler would be a guy that I would want to dive into. Um, and then Geno Smith could be a decent little start if he's going to run the ball a little bit and if he's going to be a really efficient passer like he just was. Like I said at the top of the show, though, the Geno coaster hit a peak today, and I think there's more valleys ahead than there are peaks. So it's going to be a bumpy road for Geno Smith. So not a priority add at the quarterback position, but what a wild way to finish off week one in that uh, Monday nighter. Whew. Crazy, crazy game. Okay, guys, so that's all I got for this waiver and news episode. I hope you guys liked it. Hook up some feedback on the YouTube video or wherever you check us out on the socials. We are True North FFB, Twitter and Instagram. 
The website is truenorthffb.com and on YouTube, we are the TNFF Network. This episode's dropping Tuesday. You're probably listening to it Tuesday being that it's a waiver episode and Tuesdays are a big day for the TNFF Network. I'm dropping this show in the morning. Jimmy and Connor on the Gold Jacket Pod are going to be telling you which performances are gold or fool's gold at 7 o'clock Eastern, I believe. And then at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, we will have the uh, Full Tilt Dynasty podcast with Tom, Jacob, and Billy. Uh, They're putting in mad work, those guys. And, uh, you know, they got shows almost weekly on the network. So we really love having them as a part of the network. Um, Yeah, they'll be on Tuesday night to give their main show on Wednesday, they have the midweek tilt. On Thursday, they've got the full tilt Devi podcast, which is a great way for those dynasty heads to get up on those college prospects. Check out the full full tilt Devi podcast. Then on Saturdays, the fantasy walkabout. It's a delicious little Tom sandwich with Tom, Lucas, and Tom. Um, they're getting you primed for Sunday and beyond. It's a little mix of redraft and dynasty content for those boys. And I've checking out, been checking it out as much as possible. And I love the work that they're doing. Good dynamic between those three. And that whole Full Tilt crew is doing some really good work. So along with the Gold Jacket show, we've got the Full Tilt Dynasty crew. And of course, the True North Fantasy pod. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought. Like the videos. Um, yeah, we really want to know what you think of our work. We want to make it better for you as always and major appreciation to anybody who's checking our stuff out and subscribing or following on whatever audio platform or or following whatever social you're following us on and checking out the website. I did a little revamp of the website. We don't have written content anymore with True North. Just didn't have the resources to put into the written side of things. We really wanted to dial into the video and audio content. So that's what you're seeing. You're going to see the shows increasingly highlighted on the website. So go to that truenorthffb.com. Check it out. You got, um, you know, all the shows are on there. We've got all of our gear from Viridian Global. I've got a t-shirt on and the hat right now or a chapeau as our French friends might say. Um, So yeah, go check out truenorthffb.com because I'm liking how the site's getting dialed in. We're trimming it down to fit our content a little better and it's a little bit more manageable on our end. So yeah, that's all I got. I really appreciate you guys for sticking around. Uh, it's been a long off season. I've been away for a little bit, but I'm getting back in the fold. I got a nice little schedule of content coming for the people. So keep her dialed. And until next week, peace. <laughs>